Let's turn uh, in our Bibles this morning. I want to talk about um, faith. And I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, 1. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard before that um, where the blood goes, the Holy Ghost flows. And really, you find out when you make much of the blood of Jesus, you talk about the blood of Jesus, um, the life that's in the blood of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit kind of likes that kind of talk. And uh, he really wants to show up and wants to speak. And uh, many times when you are having difficulties, if you start to magnify the blood of Jesus, you will find that your uh, self-focus and your pride will like start to fade away because you realize none of us would be anything without the blood of Jesus and without what Jesus himself has done for us, without his life given up freely for us, not while we deserved it, not while we were doing something good, not while we thought we were awesome, but while we were still sinners, while we were still failing, while we were still missing, while we were not something that you would want to place a bet on. That's when Christ died for us. That's when Christ um, showed the greatest act of love and gave it up for us, his very life. Uh, uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that it's real easy to love a friend, but how easy is it to love an enemy or to do something for someone that persecutes you? Well, Christ did that for all of us. While he was being spit on, he loved us. And, you know, you can go all the way from the first example in the Bible of the Holy Ghost coming um, where the blood flowed. After the blood of Christ flowed, we had to become new containers for the Holy Ghost. The only way the Holy Spirit could come into us was for the blood to first be applied, for the blood to first be on the heavenly holies of holies and us to receive that work of Christ, that redemptive work, so that the Holy Ghost could come and live inside of us, actually could come and recreate us. And when we receive that work of Jesus, then the blood does the work and the Holy Spirit can come. Remember, we just finished this long series on the miracle life of Christ, which is just, I love the series, a great series. And, um, but the whole point of that series was if we're not redeemed, if Christ did not redeem us, then the Holy Spirit couldn't come and live in us and could not come upon us and anoint us to do the same work as Jesus. Because he commissioned us. He said, I have given you all authority, all power on heaven and earth. I want you to go. But he didn't just say, I gave you authority. He said, I gave you my spirit. So you're not alone in this whole thing. I'll never leave you alone. I'll never leave you comfortless. But I've given you my Holy Spirit. So with that foundation being set, you know, Romans tells us that it's been given to every man the measure of faith. Every man the measure of faith. Actually, whether born again or not. Because the only way you can get born again is by faith. By faith you receive, uh, through grace, you receive Jesus Christ. Uh, so every man has the measure of faith. It's really what we're doing with it. Have we developed it? Hebrews chapter 11 uh, and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were, made of things which, uh, were not made of things which do appear. So the things that we see, the earth that we stand on, uh, was not made of things which appeared, which you could see. God made the heavens and the earth out of nothing, except for his words. There was darkness. 
the Bible says. So let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1, and let's read that account. Genesis chapter 1. And I'll start, uh, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Well, let's start with verse 3. Seven times God said, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So number one, God said, let there be light. Number two, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. So you're talking about the, the skies from the earth realm. And now it was just, just waters at that point. Then verse nine, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. So God spoke and dry land came out of the waters. Uh, verse 14 well, actually, verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind and whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. So God created the vegetation, the trees and the herbs, the, you know, the, the plants and, the, and um, the trees. And when he created them, he didn't create them just to be and be finished because otherwise then they would have all, you know, Especially when the curse came, they would have all died out, but everything had seed after its kind. And some, like the fruit trees, had the seed inside of it. The other ones were actually seed-producing seed, is what the margin says. Uh, verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament to divide the heaven, the day and the night, you know, the sun and the moon. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly every moving creature that has life and the fowl that fly above the earth and the over, in the open firmament of the heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moves uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after its kind, and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth every living creature after its kind, cattle and every creeping thing, beast of the earth. Um, and then, of course, God said, um, God created man. Man's the only uh, creation that he created with, without speaking. So back in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which appear. So like I could go home and attempt to make something. I could like make a box, a wooden box, or I could make uh, something out of paper. Or, um, I could take, and uh, like my kids like to do in the backyard, and go get sticks and leaves and twigs and grass and make a fort but I'm making out of things that are seen, actually things in the sense realm. I can go grab it, put it together, make it. God made it from words. So God's energy, God's power is in his words. When he speaks, things change. When he spoke into darkness, uh, light came. When he spoke into chaos, order came. So when God speaks, he creates. Now let's go over to uh, Mark chapter 11. Verse, uh, let's start with verse 22, Mark eleven twenty-two. I have to find it myself. Mark eleven twenty-two, one of my favorite verses of scripture. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Uh, you know, this is right after Jesus cursed the fig tree, so let's back up to verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. So, you know, 
he cursed it the day before, and then they walked by it again. And he's like, Jesus, like master, teacher. Uh, you know, when, when you read that word master, you know, disciples are like learners. You're learning. You're being mentored by being, uh, you're looking at someone's example of life. And so he's saying, master, the one with all the answers, you cursed it, and it's withered. What, you know, what's up with that? Like, how did that happen? And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. And if you look in the margin, margin of my Bible, Cambridge Bible says, have the faith of God. One translation says, lay hold of God's faithfulness. Another one says, have the God kind of faith. 23, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things whoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, if you, you know, we were in, um, I was there for like six years in ministry with Kenneth Hagin before he went to heaven. And then the last two years traveled on his traveling team along with my wife. And um, so if you've ever heard him talk about this verse, you know, uh, the Lord kind of pointed out to him. He was in church meditating and reading through uh, the book of Mark and wasn't thinking about that. He was actually thinking about the last part of it and, you know, with the Great Commission going to all the world. These signs will follow them that believe. And he heard a little voice on the inside that said, did you ever notice in Mark eleven twenty three and 24 uh, that the word say is in there three times and believes only there once? And he said, no, I didn't ever notice that. So he went and looked, and sure enough, say was in there three times. So the Lord really ministered to him and said, you're going to have to do three times as much teaching and preaching on saying as you do believing it, because where most people miss it is not in the believing part. We miss it in the saying part. So we're believing the right things, but we're not necessarily saying the right things. What's interesting is Jesus cursed this tree, which was unheard of. Uh, well, not really cursing it, but the result the next day that it had an effect. His words had an effect on the natural world. And, you know, we talked about in the last series, you've got philosophers in that day, like 300 years before the time of Christ. You had Plato, Plato and Socrates, and never did they have, like, action or what we would call manifestation to back up what they were saying. But Jesus just said, no man eat fruit of you, you again. And the next day, the thing is dried up. Not the leaves, from the root. You know, our house in Michigan that we had, we had a, a decent crop of poison ivy. And so we would like spray it and, you know, it would kill the leaves. And if you, really I found out, if you sprayed it too much at once, you put too much poison on the leaves, then the leaves would dry up, but the root wouldn't. So what you had to do is you had to spray it a little bit each day so that it could get enough, had enough life in it that it would still suck in the poison into its roots and then it would kill its roots. So Jesus spoke and it didn't just kill the fig tree like from the top down, it's from the bottom up, I mean from the very root. So realize when Jesus speaks something into your life or my life, he cuts it at the root. Like, you don't have to go back and figure out, like, I, I got to go to the root of this. Jesus, the word of God, will, will cut to the very root of the problem. But he said, when they're amazed at this, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. How did this happen, they're saying? How did this happen? How did this, how did this tree wither just because you spoke? And he said, act just like God. Look what God did. In the beginning, he spoke. He spoke, and there was nothing, and it changed and became something. I'm speaking to something, and it's changing, and it's dying. 
But God spoke to nothing and something became. So Jesus is, you know, if you look through the New Testament, this is, I think, one of the most uh, telling examples of what faith is and how faith works and how to operate in the God kind of faith. In the natural realm, in our world, it's really easy to respond to the, whatever inputs that you're given that I'm given. So whatever's around us. And, you know, well, so-and-so said this, or, you know, uh, the Democratic Party says this, the Republican Party says this, the, I don't know all the parties besides that, like the Independent Party says this, the Libertarians say this, you know, and people identify sometimes more with parties than what they do with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ told us how to change the world. Um, I, I was reading, uh, in the last couple of days, I was reading in Proverbs, and Proverbs 11, 11 says, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. And um, it's the easiest thing in the world to say what everybody else is saying or to say what you're seeing. So if you said what you saw, you would say, like, the United States is going to hell in a handbasket. You'd say, like, things are falling apart and what's going on? But we that are believers, we're people of faith. And the Bible actually teaches us that the government should be on his shoulders, the shoulders of Jesus Christ, and we are the body of Christ. So really, we uphold the government on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And if we're talking down our government, whether you like who's in office or you dislike who's in office, I don't really care. You're really citing in, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard the, I don't even know what they call the official theory, but we read in Genesis, we didn't read chapter, uh, verse 1 and verse 2, but verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was very good, and then verse 2, chaos was on, you know, the earth, and uh, there's a few theories there, but, you know, I tend to believe that God created everything good and then something happened between verse 1 and verse 2 and chaos came on the face of the earth. So that's why God said replenish the earth to Adam. He didn't say plenish. He said replenish it. And uh, you see that the devil comes to try to bring chaos, to bring division. John 10.10 says, uh, Jesus said, uh, the devil, the thief, has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So if something is confusing and full of destruction and uh, bad things are happening, you know the source is not from God. The source is from the devil, or the source is from the original fall, which gave the devil access. So in our nation, and in our country, and in our city, and in our school district, or wherever we're at, whatever's affecting us, our job is to not sit and declare what we see happening, but our job is to stand and to declare the truth of the word of God, because that gives God access. He wants, um, he wants access to our words. Turn with me to Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21. Remember that Jesus cursed the fig tree. They said, how did this happen? And he said, have the God kind of faith. That's the God kind of faith. Uh, and that kind of faith is not moved by what it sees, what it feels, what it hears, but it's moved by the word of God. Uh, in order for your faith to work, you have to have faith in God 
and you have to have faith in your own words. See, when God spoke the world into existence, he believed in his own words, right? So that's why when we want things to happen and we want to see something happen, we speak in line with the word of God because we believe in God and in God's words and we speak his words and then it comes to pass when we believe. Proverbs 18.21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Uh, you know what? I wrote that down, but I want to read the next part of that verse. Proverbs 18.21. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Interesting that you're going to eat the fruit of what you say, whether life or death. So you can say a lot of different things. Uh, I have small children. And uh, my children are not always perfect, much like their father. Uh, but I could run down my children and say, you know, my children never act right. I don't know what's wrong with them. Uh, they're crazy. They're this, you know. Man, I'm dreading when they become teenagers. And, you know, really what you experience in life today in mo big measure is because of what you said yesterday. Not yesterday, it's in Saturday. But like, what did you say like last week? What did you say last month? What did you say last year? How did you say it was going to be? And then look at what you have now. And in a great measure, uh, what you experience today is what you said yesterday. So if you don't like what you see, if you don't like what you experience, then uh, check up on what you're speaking, what you're saying, what you're believing. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So if we don't watch ourselves, we'll speak words uh, of death because we're evil people. No, <laughs> we're not. If you're a new creature, you're actually created in the image and the likeness of God himself. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But if you don't uh, speak that and believe that, you won't experience it. Okay, so there's like a legal side to being redeemed, and then there's a vital or a, a reality side, which means legally when you accept Jesus Christ, you're made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you not, might not be experiencing that. There was a lady that um, uh, was in um, one of Brother Hagin's meetings years ago, and she was a Sunday school teacher. She was, I don't know how many people... Anybody who was in a denominational church any length like of time or whatever I was, I grew up in one. We had what's called Sunday school superintendents. And so this person was like the head of all teaching at the church. And they would go find the curriculum and get it set up for the adult classes and the kids' classes. And, you know, they were, they were like the integral part of that teaching part of the church, aside from the pulpit ministry. And uh, so they were generally educated people. And you go to some denominations and they would like be seminary degreed people. And they're, they're a volunteer in most cases. And uh, this lady was in that condition. She had been to seminary. She had been to Bible school. She was head of like the teaching area of the school. I'm excuse me, of the church. And um, she started finding out who she was in Christ. And, uh, you know, there's 132, 234, depending on how you look at it, what you want to say, actually saying it. There's 132 verses in the New Testament that says, um, in Christ, in whom, in him by him, by his blood, what you are and what you have in Christ. So she started, um, after listening to Brother Hagin preach and teach on it, she started confessing, this is who I am and this is what I have. And she said, now I'm a very busy lady. 
but I took like the first five scriptures in the last 30 days and I've been writing them down and I've been confessing, this is who I am, this is what I, what I have. And she said, I can't explain it, but I feel like I've been born again, again. Like the same newness almost that she felt when the burden rolled away, she felt like, wow, my life has changed that much. That's because she just started right then to live in the light of what she was all the time since she was born again. And all of us are in that condition at one level or another, right? So one of the best things you can do for your life is to grab some in Christ scriptures in, uh, in him, in his blood, and start saying, this is who I am, this is what I have. Because we're talking today about faith, and faith involves what you believe and what you say. And if you're not saying what God says and agreeing with what God says, then you're not going to have what God says you have. Because, you know, we read in Hebrews 11.3 that the very worlds were framed through words. So you're framing your world through your words. I'm framing my world through my words. That doesn't mean, you know, uh, that some people say, well, you know, then I would be lying if I didn't say, like, you know, uh, I have a wart on my skin if you had a wart. You know, do you have a wart? No, I don't have a wart. Well, that's not true. That is a lie. Like, there's a wart there. But by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. And that is something temporary that's changing. So, uh, but the issue is we frame our world with our words, with what we say, based on what we believe. If you don't believe it and you're saying it, it's not really going to make that much difference. But uh, sometimes you can look at the opposite side of what you're looking at and it helps you get understanding. So just think if, um, well, you could think of driving in traffic and if you hit every light red, I don't know about you, so I can't talk about you, but I can talk about me. Like my flesh wants to say, I'm hitting every light red. Why do I keep hitting every light red? You know, and then you might, if you're really upset, you might be like, I'm going to hit the next light red too, I'm sure. And you stop and think, man, if I could record myself and hear myself, I might advise myself differently. <laughs> but you can have uh, office politics, you can have things happening at work, and a lot of things are going on, and all of a sudden you find yourself speaking what you see and actually going beyond it because you tap into... Um, uh, a frustration, sometimes you tap into other spirits and you start to voice things because the devil wants access into your life and into my life, but he can't have access that we don't give him. But our words are powerful, whether they're of life or of death. Uh, Proverbs also tells us, um, let's see if I wrote it down here. Yeah, Proverbs 12, 18. There is he that speaketh like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So you realize you can cut your own self down with your own words, or you can cut other people down with your words, or you can speak words of life and health. So you'll find this a lot of times. Um, you can actually be abused by words. Not just physically abused, but you can be verbally abused. And... Um, 
that's obviously a very terrible thing, and especially if you have small children and you know, they're being verbally abused because it can affect the course of their life, but it affects a grown person just as much. A lot of times we'll look at people that are doing that and we think, that is so terrible, what are they doing? Um, sometimes the greatest verbal abuse that we experience is from ourselves. So that we find like we're not believing in ourselves, we're talking ourselves down, and we're creating that world for ourselves of, you know, I can't do this, I'm no good at this, this isn't ever going to work, you know, what was I thinking? You know, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I have this education? Why didn't I make this decision, that decision? What's wrong with me? And we start to create that atmosphere around us, and we start to respond to that atmosphere. Well, what Jesus teaches us and tells us is that we're to respond by faith in God. That's why I love that verse, Mark eleven twenty two. What situation do you have in your life right now here today? I want you to think about that. Get a picture of that in your mind. The answer to that situation is Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. I don't care if it's relationship problem uh, in your family. I don't care if it's a relationship problem at work. I don't care if it's a money problem. I don't care if it's a physical problem. Have faith in God. The end of the story. Have faith in God. Well, yeah, but, but this, but that. Do you understand this? Do you understand? Have faith in God. It comes down to that. Have faith in God. You might need to, you know... Uh, talk to someone, you get lots of wise counsel, but ultimately it all comes down to have faith in God. In other words, am I going to trust God in this situation in my life? Hebrews chapter 11, where we started, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you want to know if you're in faith, what are you doing right now about the situation? Because now faith is. Faith is now. Uh, today is the day of salvation. And salvation actually includes all those things we talked about. Freedom from poverty. Freedom from disease and sickness. Freedom from the power of the devil and from going to hell, you're going to heaven. Salvation contains all of that. But salvation is now. And, uh, you know, I'm a big one for honesty. I love honesty. And hopefully everybody loves honesty, but sometimes people like how smooth they can be and how much they can get around and maneuver and do all this stuff. But I like honesty, especially with God. So if I'm coming into the presence of God, I don't think there's much point in kind of like trying to put a good slant on things and make yourself look really good because he kind of knows everything anyhow. And if you find yourself doing that, which I'm sure all of us have found ourselves doing that at some point, I just stop and I'm like, okay, Lord, you actually know every little thing that's going on. So like, help you know, what did I do? What did I, you know, I messed this one up and um, I'm asking you for grace and for mercy. And, you know, we, we sang a couple songs this morning about the blood of Jesus and I love the blood of Jesus. And I love thinking about the blood and meditating on the blood because I think I was telling Keith a couple weeks ago, whenever I have uh, challenges with personalities, with people, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna walk in love with them. I'm gonna walk in love no matter how bad it hurts me. I, I just plead the blood of Jesus over him. And for me, pleading the blood of Jesus is saying everything that Jesus accomplished, everything that his blood accomplished for the worst sinner, for me, I want to see them in that light. You know, uh, the Bible actually says don't know anyone after the flesh. We don't know anyone after the flesh any longer, not even ourselves, that we're to know everyone after Jesus Christ. And so then when I think about uh, people in those situations, I just say, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. 
with all my faith, with all my heart. Somebody said, well, you know, I'm believing, but how do I, uh, how do I know if what I'm speaking is a real belief or not? Like, how do I know it's just not in my head? Well, uh, you know, if you have been married or you are married or you have uh, really close friends, then when's the last time you told them that you loved them? And when you did that, were you speaking from your head or from your heart? And that's, I think, one of the best ways to identify, like, am I, where's my faith at? You know, because I can say to my wife, hey, I love you. Yeah, I love you. And not mean a lot in it. Or I can say, Melody, I love you. That was hard. I was trying not to look at anybody's face during that. Uh, I can say, I really love you. So same thing in faith. Uh, Finances, faith for finances. I believe the money will come. In other words, I know it's coming. My head might not understand like what avenue it's coming through, how it's going to happen. That's really not my business. But my business is to believe God and connect with God and look to him. And we touched a little bit on it last week in Philippians chapter 4. Um, Philippians chapter 4, casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. I forgot my Bible this morning, so I had to drive all the way back home to get it. And uh, I could have done it from here, but I, I don't know. There's, uh, I was head of a media department, a pretty large media department, so I'm pretty tech savvy, and I love technology. But he's laughing at me. Maybe it shows my age. I still love something about your eyes just falling on the paper word and, you know, or a book sometimes and you, you've got it. And of course, in your own Bible, you all know this, that uh, you love your own Bible because all of your markings, you know, it's like, oh, it's right here on the, this, this side of the page. Um, so I'm very thankful for the word of God and for this particular copy of it. Oh. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love the amplified translation of that. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. And the reason I bring that up at this point is uh, sometimes we're believing God or endeavoring to believe God and trust God in an area of our life, but we've like got something stopping up the flow. And most generally, that is us. Because we're trying to do it, we're trying to fix it, we're trying to make it happen for ourselves. And um, if we don't give all of our cares to the Lord, he can't work on it because we're grabbing hold of it. And he's not going to force you to do anything. If he would force you to do anything, he would force us all to receive Jesus Christ because he loves all of us that much. Um, But he loves us enough to let us make our own decision. Romans chapter 10 says, let's start with verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach, that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
And that's like a great uh, foundational text of faith, that when we believe and speak, that's what happens. But look at the context of what he's talking about. He's saying, like, it's not of works, works of righteousness, works of doing things that are right. If we are trying to make our faith work because of our performance, because of our uh, amount of time in the Word of God or our amount of time in the presence of God, we'll fail. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. This life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So... Uh, whenever we get self-focused, we're kind of missing the mark because our focus should always be Jesus Christ and his power and his blood and what he has done for us. When we focus on him, that's when we'll have great victory. I like a story about, um, you know, uh, I've always been, I don't know, growing up when I was young, I went to my grandparents' house and would spend the night. You know, they lived in the same town with us, both sets of grandparents, which was a huge blessing. And um, so one set of grandparents, I would go over there, and I don't remember if it was, I was so young. I think it was like 6 in the morning. We get up at like 5.45 or something. And at 6 in the morning, we're on what I would call the couch, what my grandmother called the Davenport, praying. And we had a list of prayers. And we would go through this whole list of prayers. And so we would pray and pray and pray. And, um, uh, I kind of grew up that way uh, with that understanding, and I grew up in a Christian church and was born again at a young age, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit at about 19 years old, and then a whole new realm of prayer opened up to me that I didn't, didn't really know existed, and uh, in another denominational church I was part of, I would go on Sunday mornings and pray with a, a team of people in the auditorium, and always have uh, found a, a, a good home in my prayer life, and uh, a good place with the Lord. And um, there was a lady that um, uh, Brother Hagen, when he was first pastoring one of the churches, uh, her name was Sister Sylvia Patterson. And he said, don't turn a request into this group prayer group that she was a part of unless you want an answer. Because if they'll get you an answer, and if you don't want them, please do not turn in because you will get an answer. And um, Patsy Caminetti one time was asking her, uh, said, uh, saw her in an elevator, didn't really know who she was until uh, Mom Hagen said, Oh, Sister Sylvia. She's like, Sister Sylvia Patterson, is that you? Is that really you? And uh, she's like, well, yeah, of course it's me. (laughs) I think that's who I am. And she said, oh, can we ask you some questions? So she started asking questions about prayer. And she said, Sister Sylvia was kind of like dumbfounded. Like, I I don't understand. Like, what's the big, what's the big deal? You just talk to God. You know, what are these, you know, because they're like, well, what's the key? What's the secret? And her real demeanor and attitude was, isn't Jesus wonderful? That's honestly the best way I can say it. Isn't Jesus wonderful? And uh, that is, the, I think, one of the biggest keys to connecting with God in any realm, but especially in prayer, is that you look at Jesus and you're in awe and you're amazed with how wonderful he is. Because as soon as we have that uh, heart attitude, we give him access into our lives. You know, we'll pray all the time, oh, Lord, be glorified and glorify yourself and... Um, but then we end up looking to ourselves more. Like she was a mighty woman of God used in prayer, but uh, she didn't see herself even when questioned about it, even when someone was like um, uh, giving her lots of credit, like, oh, I'm, I'm nobody special. I just, I just love Jesus. <laughs> I just talk to Jesus. And um, 
really when we come to the presence of God in that way where he is so awesome and we expect to receive from him and we just talk to him like we would our friend or our family member, uh, you're going to get answers. Um, you'll find that you'll get access into the presence of God. So the wonderful thing about the faith walk is we're all on the same page. We're all on the same plane. We're given a measure of faith, and we can develop that faith, and we can grow in that faith. But really, have faith in God. How did that happen? What happened to you? Have faith in God. How did that disease leave your body? Have faith in God. Like, people don't, really, when you start to tell people, like, they're like, how did that happen? How did you get that? Where did you get that from? I'm like, well, God blessed me with it. No, really, how did you get it? Or like, uh, you know, you, you had that sickness and now you're like better immediately. What happened to you? Well, God healed me. No, but really, like, what happened? Like, did you take, like, special vitamins? What doctor did you go see? And um, uh, it's interesting how your flesh and my flesh sometimes will always look for another reason besides God. When, if you, like, actually even moving out here and planting a church, you tell people, uh, they'll say, well, why did you plant a church here? Well, we felt that's what the Lord told us to do. Also, why did you come? Right, it should be enough just to say that. And if any of you ask me that, I'm not picking on anybody. Because <laughs> we all kind of, like, ask for extra information. But um, it's funny that we do that a lot of times. Like, no, so tell me really, like, like, tell the truth. What's going on? And like, no, the Lord really, really said that. That's what the Lord really said to do. So um, have faith in God. Let's go back to Mark eleven twenty two. We'll finish out with that. Have faith in God. For verily I say to you, whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So I just want you to think right now, what, are you, what have you been saying this last week? And what are you believing for? And are those in line? Are those matched up? Because, um, like we said, what you have and what you experience, what I have and what I experience, is based largely on what I believe and what I say. I have what I believe. So you're not limited to... Uh, your financial income, you're not limited to um, someone else's financial income, some inheritance that you're expecting, some, um, someone that has committed to, you know, give you certain amounts of money or do certain things for you. It's great if people do that. I think that's awesome. But you're not limited to that. You're limited only by your belief in God. Only believe. Just believe and speak and it'll come to pass. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And so you have to have faith in the word of God and faith in your own words. In other words, you're an honest person and you're going to be speaking words and what you say is what you do. You're not like double tongues, so you're saying one thing and doing another, but you do what you say. God does what he says. Actually, uh, there's a scripture and I don't remember the reference to it off the top of my head right now. But there's a scripture that says that the only reason that the world still remains is because God has not lied. If God ever lies, 
you'll know it because poof, the whole world will be gone. Uh, but he will never lie, and his word will always last and will always endure. And Jesus gave us a great example to walk in faith, like he walked in faith. And he said, they said, how did you do this? And he said, have faith in God. And remember in John, he just said, I'm not doing anything of myself. I'm not figuring all this out myself. I'm really not that smart, you could say. I'm just going to my father, and he tells me what to do, and he tells me what to say, and then I just go do and say it. So when they looked, again, right here at this example, and said, Jesus, how did you do that? That, that tree withered. He's like, look to God. Have faith in God. Act like God. And he is an example for us to follow. So we learn also in John, actually, as he has a relationship with the Father, we have a relationship with him, and our relationship with him gives us that same rapport, that same relationship with the Father. So he came, gave us this great example, showed us how to do all of this stuff, did the stuff, and says, now you do it. And not only am I going to do it, you know, uh, and have access to the Father, but he gave us access to the Father. Is that amazing? Like sometimes maybe some people know the president, and they're like, well, I'll tell the president something for you, and so on and so forth. But they don't necessarily want you to know the president. But Jesus is like, I'm going to give you this relationship. In fact, I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you can have the same closeness with the Father that I have. So you can have the same relationship. So you can come in and you don't have to feel like you don't belong there. You don't have to feel like you don't deserve it. You don't have to feel like uh, this is not the right place. I feel like I'm in the wrong place all of a sudden. No, you feel like you belong. Like God has been longing for you to be there since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. He's been saying, I want you close to me. I want you near me because I want to fellowship with you. In other words, I want to talk with you. I want to walk with you. Ever since that was ended in the garden, I've been yearning for that to come back. And now I made a way for you to do it, and it's through my son, Jesus Christ. And um, he wants the very best for us. That's why he gave us a measure of faith, that we can act just like him. We're in his likeness. We're in his image. We can act like him. We can talk like him. We can walk like him. And if we're going to do that, we're going to walk in love, and we're going to be full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, Father, we thank you that not one word will pass away till all is fulfilled. Father, we thank you for the power of your word that goes beyond our mind, that goes beyond what we would think in our thought life, Father, that goes far beyond anything that the devil would try to do or try to speak to us. Father, we thank you that your word penetrates to the very heart and the very core of every issue. And Father, I pray for all those that are here and those that are listening right now. Father, I pray that words that you have spoken into their life that are answers to situations or problems or difficulties or um, mountains in their life, that you'll remind them of words that you have spoken unto them. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we would not just listen and hear about things that Jesus did or things that the apostles did or things that ministers that have gone before us have done or family members and say, isn't that wonderful, Father, but that we would grab hold personally, of faith in you. 
and that we would speak your words, that we would stand in the gap, that we would be your minister on the scene in each and every area of our life and in the lives of others as you give us opportunity. Father, we pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with your light. Father, that we would know what's the hope of our calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what's the uh, surpassing, the exceeding greatness of your power that's in us, that's toward us, who believe that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Father, I thank you that you've set us free from the power of the devil, from the power of uh, sickness and disease and poverty and lack. We declare that we are children of the Most High God. We're your children, that we're in your family, that we will not live under the power of the devil, but that we're not under the curse because Jesus set us free according to your word in Galatians. We've been set free from the curse of the law and that we operate under the blessing. Father, we thank you for blessing upon each and every person that's here. We thank you for blessing upon each and every person that's listening. Father, we thank you that you have a will concerning us and that it's good and it's not bad, that it's to give us a hope and to give us a future. I pray, Father, that each of us will fully fulfill what you've called us to do. I pray that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, Father, that we can walk worthy of you, pleasing you, and in all wisdom, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming this morning. If you need prayer for anything, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're listening or you're here, uh, just send us an email or come up front and we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Have a great day.